What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. He's joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, I just watched the movie Virtuosity for some reason. How was it? Uh, it's very bad, but that was the point. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we are no almost regrets. done with this. We are almost done with this. <laughs> to, like, like all these hobbies that we planned on doing all year that we saved off for the summer that we pretended like we want, really wanted to do. Like, that's done. Like, we, we can stop pretending now. Like, you, you can stop pretending that you're going to read more. I can stop pretending that I'm going to watch more movies. All that stuff is over. We can start focusing on the NBA. Preseason has started for most NBA teams. The Rockets tip off preseason tomorrow. Uh, this is going to be our season preview edition of the Red Nation Hoops podcast. I'm pretty excited. But before, before we get into all that, let's get into some news items. So, Mark Berman over the week reported that the Rockets are making a strong effort to land Jimmy Butler in a trade with Minnesota. So this pretty much confirms what we've been thinking about the Rockets' pursuit of Butler for weeks now, right? And and I'm just surprised that it's actually gotten down to the final stages that, like, the Rockets seem to be one of the final two teams in this pursuit. Like, it legitimately seems to be... Miami or Houston at this point. I I don't see a third team creeping creeping in there at any right now. I mean, maybe the Clippers or the Nets could make a late push, but I mean, it just seems like those teams are banking on free agency, and if they don't land Jimmy Butler, they're perfectly fine with moving forward. So I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty intrigued. Like I, I I'm I'm not sure necessarily what they're what kind of offers are being thrown out there, but the one that's been speculated is. Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and a first-round pick. Whether that's whether that's a lightly protected first-round pick or an unprotected first-round pick, you know nobody knows. But that's the that's what's been speculated by Zach Lowe, by this podcast, by many others. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense for that kind of offer to be made for Jimmy Butler. And there's been some conflicting opinions on this, and I I've just been surprised. Like frankly, I've just. Like it seems that Rockets Twitter is like split fifty fifty on whether or not they should trade PJ Tucker, and I'm just of the opinion that of course you trade PJ Tucker. It's Jimmy freaking Butler. Like yes, that that is a lot to give up for a player, but that is a star player, and star commodities are of the highest degree of importance in the NBA. It's it more than any other league probably. Like it's probably as important as the starting quarterback in football. Like other than that, there's no other league that has that places this much importance on star power. And when you're competing with one team and one team only, like I don't understand why 
there's all this haggling over P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is a piece that you can replace easier than landing a piece like Jimmy Butler. I, I, I just don't understand why this isn't a no-brainer to more people. Well, all right, all right. Let me get into it. Let me get into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of apologist here. Uh, I agree that like you have to get a star whenever you can, but I get it, right? So first off, first off, there's this ongoing narrative around the team that they lost wing defenders, which they did. They did lose two wing defenders in Trevor Reza and Luke Mbamute. Yes. Uh, but the overall take seems to be the, like, that that is what they need. They don't have enough wing defenders. They don't. Their chances against the Warriors have fallen off precipitously because they don't have enough wing defenders. They don't have enough depth, which, honestly, I think they have more depth than last year currently, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so if they don't have enough wing defenders, they're kind of they're, they're in trouble, right? Uh, and by losing a wing defender in P.J. Tucker, that just exacerbates the problem, I think, is the mentality. Of course, Jimmy Butler is an exceptional defender and plays on the wing. Uh, but... Eric Gordon is also a capable defender, and he, you know, and he 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 plays a two typically. So you are sort of losing wing defense minutes, and more importantly, losing a number of wing defenders you can play at the same time. Uh, I think that like the current narrative of why the Rockets got worse fits in with the narrative of well, if they lost another one of these guys, they lost two out of three of those guys. If they lose all three, then they're really in trouble. Uh, also, people overvalue like current teams over potential teams. We're so worried about chem- that's the other thing. Everyone's com- concerned about the Rockets' chemistry. Uh, without this communication and chemistry, how will they play together? Their chemistry's in trouble. Well, if there's one thing that that uh, that Jimmy Butler is known for, it is chemistry problems, uh, along with Camille Anthony as well. So I think that it plays right into everybody's fears. Everybody likes this. Rockets fans like to slam the national media, but for all the slamming of the media they do, they very clearly have like internalized a lot of these complaints that the media has handed on them. And, you know, these are not enveloped complaints as well. They're, they are real concerns that they don't have enough wing defense and they don't have uh, enough continuity. But, uh, so I, th- I think they're just kind of worried about that. And people are overvaluing the guys they have. I mean, obviously you want to keep PJ Tucker, if you could somehow keep PJ Tucker and have Jimmy Butler, that would be an incredible coup. And moreover, I think that you you feel like you have to have that to compete with the Warriors, who are it's impossible to like overestimate the Warriors at this point, and everyone's trying to overestimate the Warriors at this point. So, uh, but it's weird to think about if you told somebody a few years, like let's say you told somebody in like 2015 or something that the Rockets could potentially have a lineup of Chris Paul, James Harden. P.J. Tucker, Clinton Capella of this capacity, and somebody else, and that they would still not be the favorites for a championship. That's just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're a ridiculously stacked team. Um, But they have to face a more stacked team. And to do that, as I said, I I think they need more star power. Um, I think think they're in pretty good position to compete with the Warriors right now. I mean, they've obviously proved that last year, uh, that, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden can be enough. They can be enough with some, you know, lucky bounces that go your way, with some injury luck, um, with some really good defense, with really good coaching. That can be enough. Uh, that can be a good enough formula to beat the Warriors. But I mean, if you're if you're trying to improve your chances on the margins, I mean, there's I mean, there's few better players that I think would fit this current team than Jimmy Butler. I mean, if you're talking about uh, wing defense being a problem for the Rockets. I mean, 
isn't that what Jimmy Butler is? Jimmy Butler is an all NBA level wing defender. Like, yes, you lose PJ Tucker, and yes, that does hurt your versatility a little bit. But you can find a piece like that. You know, maybe not as good as PJ Tucker, but on the buyout market, you could find seventy percent of PJ Tucker. On the buyout market, you can't find seventy percent of Jimmy Butler. That's just not happening. You, that's not. I mean, in any way, shape, or form, you're not. That's not going to happen. No one of Jimmy Butler's caliber is going to become available that easily to you so i do think you raise two fair concerns uh one being that the proximity to training camp i mean training camp uh is underway and pre rockets preseason is tomorrow so making a trade this late uh does affect chemistry and i do think that is something that the rockets should take into account when making a major trade like this, like that, like if it was before training camp, I would be all over it. Like it's, but the fact that we're this late in the process and Minnesota is being, I mean, Minnesota is being Minnesota. They're haggling over things that they're not going to get. They're not, they're not getting Ben Simmons in a trade. They're not getting um, elite, elite prospects back for Jimmy Butler, especially considering that Jimmy Butler essentially told them that he's going to leave in a year and that he's coming off of these this hand injury like it's his value is at a at a low point which is why i think the rockets are in position to pounce but which is it's another reason why minnesota is really really being ridiculous here uh in terms of what they're asking for but yeah proximity to training camp is a concern and another concern i think is probably more legitimate than you know losing pj tucker losing eric gordon who's a really 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 freaking good basketball player and uh, harder to replace than PJ Tucker. Like I think that's what. If if you were to say I don't want to do this trade, PJ Tucker shouldn't be the breaking point. the The breaking point <laughs> should be Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's been really good for the Rockets for the past two years now, uh, and he's been really healthy. And that's something that Jimmy Butler cannot say for himself. And that's the piece I I'd be afraid to lose. Not PJ Tucker. I I, I just. Yeah. Yeah, but I think everyone's accepted that Eric Gordon is has to go in the trade because you can't not trade him, right? He's the he's the one that they want, so he's automatically gone. So he's being he's the one who's being replaced by Eric Gordon, and that's the thing. People don't want to lose the other part of it, the the uh, the, the bonus as well, right? Because if they've already they've already resigned themselves to losing Eric Gordon, who's the closest to to Jerry Butler in terms of play uh, and value, right? So. so. I mean, like, here's the thing, guys. You have to give up good stuff to get good players. Like, this is just this is just a thing. Like, you can't you can't give up nothing to get like, like you can't haggle over, haggle over pieces like this. Like, to get another star player, the Rockets are gonna have to give up something of significance. Like, that's just the case. Like, it's like that's you're not gonna get another star player by holding on to all your you know your entire war chest. You have to give up valuable commodities. And I realize P.J. Tucker is a glue guy. I realize P.J. Tucker is a really great locker room leader. And I realize that defensively, the Rockets are in a really precarious position uh, when going up against the Warriors when they don't have P.J. Tucker. But that's someone that is more, as I said before, that's someone that's more replaceable. But at this point, we're just going in circles. Uh, Bottom line, uh, that's that's the update on Jimmy Butler at as of this moment. I if I were to bet, I I don't think that the Rockets are going to get a, a deal done for Jimmy Butler. Uh, 
within the next week I, at all. Like it, I don't I don't think anybody does. I don't I I kind of think that he might just end up like languishing in Minnesota for a while because they that organization is a horrible pile of chaos and discoordination. Right, right. This whole thing about Glenn Taylor directly conflicting with what what Tom Thibodeau, the president of basketball operations and uh and their general manager Scott Layden is saying, like I that, that's just I, I've never seen anything like it. Like it's just it's it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, if at this point, <laughs> yeah. like I don't see Tom Thibodeau making it past next summer. Like Tom Thibodeau at this point is probably going to be a. I mean, I don't know. It, it could be just that Tom Thibodeau becomes just a head coach. I don't think he's keeping his president of basketball operations title for much longer. Like that's going to go pretty soon. Whether or not he loses his job entirely. God knows, but I think it's going to be a real tough sell on ownership for him to keep that to job title. Uh, and we're probably never going to see this ever again. Coach and GM at the same time, like that, that's never going to happen again. No, nobody's going to get those two job titles. They shouldn't. They shouldn't ever get it again. Yeah, Minnesota's a bloodbath. Uh, bottom line, we're gonna we're gonna do this preview assuming that. The Rockets don't trade for Jimmy Butler. We're going to assume this roster is the roster. Uh, and I, I'm going to be uh, posting my Rockets season preview on SportsMap uh, tomorrow morning. So that preview is going to assume the same thing, that the Rockets are not making any significant moves before the season. Um, and yeah, uh, so Media Day was on Monday. Uh, the Rockets said pretty much the same stuff they've been saying since last summer. They're really intent on, on trying to win a championship and they really want to compete with no the Golden kidding. State Warriors. Yeah. Like like that that's that's always the theme of Media Day, it seems nowadays. Um but there were there were some interesting stuff that was said that, that was taken away from Media Day. What were you what were your biggest takeaways from Media Day? Man, all right, first off let me say it's Media Day. I am I'm generally out on Media Days in general. They're they you don't ever hear anything. Uh, my biggest actual takeaway from Media Day, such as it was, is that the Rockets pay attention to what the media is saying about them and are tired of it. Yeah, I mean, like this is just a thing. I mean, Dar- like I remember an uh, interview where Daryl was and James Harden were, be- were being uh, interviewed by Matt Thomas, and James Harden says, "Like, yeah, I don't really pay attention to all that, but Daryl sends me everything." Daryl literally looks up this stuff on Twitter <laughs> and sends it to James Harden. Like, look what they're saying about you. Look what they're saying about us. It's so, amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a real it, it's it's a, it's a smart tactic, frankly. I mean, like that's a great way to motivate people by uh, t- telling, showing them who's doubting you. Again, I, I think it's generally a great way to go about it and a fun way to go about it. Um, my biggest takeaway from Media Day is the Rockets are clearly aware of the luxury tax. Like that, that, <laughs> that, that's that, that's something that Tillman Fertitta t- tried to brush off uh, during the off season, uh, talking about how we don't even talk, we don't even bring up the luxury tax, which was a ridiculous statement uh, when it was said at the time, and no one believed him, and uh, it, it, he pretty much con. Con- contradicted himself uh, right away at the start of media day by saying that yeah that's obviously a huge deterrent uh the luxury tax and the rockets pay attention to all that and how you can pay five million dollars for a player and end up paying 20 million dollars uh total because of luxury tax so the rockets are obviously cl- uh, aware of that the uh Fertitta made some comments about how the rockets want to avoid the repeater tax 
which is going to be a real juggling act. I don't know how the Rockets are going to manage to do that, um, like in the coming years. Like it's, it's especially if they plan on contending for a while. Like it's gonna it's gonna be really difficult to get out of there, Peter Tax. So that that was interesting to me. Another takeaway to me was Carmelo seems to be open to a bench role, and this was something he, I, he'd better be. Yeah, and, and like this was something that a lot of us doubted. Uh, whether or not he'd ever be able to accept that bench role. And it seems that, you know, on media day, he never o- overtly said, yeah, I'm coming off the bench. But he said that he's willing to do whatever it takes for, to help the Rockets win. And that presumably means coming off the bench if asked to. Um, and I think this is a real positive takeaway. Like, this was a real, like, this makes the signing look a lot better. Because at the time, what was assumed when the Rockets signed Carmel Anthony was he's getting the ta- he's getting the taxpayer mid-level exception and he's going to start. Which both of those things were real, like that. Both of those things rubbed me the wrong way. Like it really turned me off the signing. If if he was going to start and if he was going to get that taxpayer mid-level exception, I was really anti Carmel Anthony. But it's you know he obviously took the minimum, and it seems he's going to come off the bench, like. I mean, no, there hasn't been any indication as to Carmelo Anthony starting at all coming out of training camp or media day. Like, it, it really does seem like he's coming off the bench. Uh, even though the Rockets haven't said it, There, it would be a real shocker at this point if he starts. Now, he's going to start tomorrow because P.J. Tucker has a back issue. So he's going to start tomorrow. But other than that, I it, it's presumed P.J. Tucker will be the starting day power forward and Mike D'Antoni said at media day that he views Carmelo Anthony as a power forward. So you obviously he's not going to start like that. that it just seems pretty clear that the Rockets are going to come off the bench. Those are those are my two biggest takeaways. Did, did you have anything different than that, or do you have anything to add on those two things? <laughs> he better come off the bench. I think he is going to. He seems to uh, realize that it's in that you know it's coming down to the pike on him and. Uh, He's not really fighting back on it as hard as he was because he doesn't have much of a choice. I mean, what's he going to do? Uh, complain to Chris Paul, <laughs> right? Like that's just the best situation yeah. for him. So uh, if he comes off the bench, that does make it look better. I am still reluctant to uh, partake of the Carmelo Anthony Kool Aid until I see some play from him to back it up. But uh, he can do less damage to the team off the bench than as a starter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anything else stick out to you from me today, or was it just those two things? Uh, Gerald Green as James Harden's enforcer is pretty hilarious, and I yeah. do it. Yeah, Gerald Green was. I uh, I mean, in terms of all time favorite Rocket ranking, Gerald Green's making a real push in a short amount of time that I, I I didn't see coming. Like he's really warmed himself up to the fan base faster than any player I've ever seen. Like it's just he he embraces the team, he embraces the city, like. I tweeted about this on Media Day. It really seems like Gerald Green is just like a, a diehard Houston sports yeah. fan that happens to be able to play basketball. Like just, yeah, he's it, like the most Houston dude in the world. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, he's really become a fan favorite. It's it, he's a he's really pleasant to interview too. Like it, it, it's, I mean, in terms of candidness, I mean, he's right up there in terms of Rockets rankings. He says whatever is on his mind, and most of the time, those are good things. And he's. Generally been a great locker room guy for the Rockets. Yeah, I'm I, big fan of Gerald Green. Big fan of Gerald Green. Uh, and I'm happy that he's had this career, I guess, I, I don't want to say revival, but I mean, he's 
he's generally viewed as, as a positive basketball player now, which I don't think was the case last year, right? He's he he's flipped his reputation completely. He was out of the league. He was he got cut by uh, he got cut by many teams, and it seemed like he was down and out. And now he's a positive, not only basketball player, but a positive locker room player. So it's it's great. It's great. Um, Tim McMahon of ESPN reported that, and I quote: "Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni is leaning strongly towards using Eric Gordon as a starter and Carmelo Anthony as a six man." D'Antoni would also like to pair Anthony with James Ennis, a strong defender, as much as possible. So he reported this, but in training camp, it appears that James Ennis is soaking up all of the starting minutes. Like in terms of playing with groups, James Ennis seems to be with the with the starters all the time, and uh, everybody's taking taking notice of this. It doesn't seem to be clear what kind of starting unit the Rockets are going to go with. Uh, so first, I'll ask, what do you think about the idea of Eric Gordon starting? What do you think of that possibility? Uh, well, first off, I'd like to put out that I drafted Eric Gordon in fantasy in the 120s. So uh, if you were to start, that would make that great value for me. Uh, it, I think it's a good idea. He's ex- he's excellent. Uh, he's better than six men typically be. That's why he won six man of the year. Uh, so he, uh, he should definitely be starting if it's reasonable for him to start. He's a pretty good defender. I think he'll help out the starting lineup and he's better than Carmel Anthony. Uh, and I think you know what you're getting from him a lot more than with James Ennis. So, uh, I think it's a good idea. I, it totally made sense when I saw it. it made me a little more confident in their ability this season. Oh, okay. So like this to me was a, it was a, it was a bold choice to me. Like I, honestly, it wasn't a no brainer to me. It, it felt like, Something, something totally Mike D'Antoni would do, right? Starting a <laughs> starting a three guard unit is one hundred percent out of Mike D'Antoni's playbook, um, and it's unique. It's it's different. It's um, you know I'm not I'm not really sure how the Rockets are gonna are, are gonna look defensively to start games if you're gonna start Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's proven to be a pretty good defender in Houston, but in terms of height, like he's six five. I know he's. I know he has a six nine wingspan, but I mean, in order to defend guys like Kevin Durant or Paul George or you know like the, the real elite wings in the league, you need to ha- you need to be at least six eight, six nine, and have like a six ten wingspan. And you know, starting Eric Gordon is you know I know it doesn't really matter who starts. It really matters who finishes and what lineups the Rockets use throughout the course of the game. So starting really isn't that important anymore, especially in today's NBA. Like it. It's just, at this point, it's just a job title. It doesn't really matter. But it's it's a bold choice. I'm interested to see how it works. I pr- personally prefer the look of James Ennis in the starting unit. Uh, I think he's um, I think he's a really good defender, and I really like him in the starting small forward spot. Uh, yeah, I've actually seen some people push back on the idea that Ennis is a good defender, but it seems like it relies a lot on like weird advanced metrics that I don't know how much I believe in. Um, I... I think it's fine. Uh, I think that it's not a problem given that James Harden can defend fours sometimes. Like, he might even defend fours in that lineup and hide him there where he can uh, well, he'll tend to defend them more on ball and hide a little bit more of his weaknesses. Harden is kind of big and tall for a shooting guard, and you can just effectively, defensively, have Eric Gordon at the two. Because uh, you don't have to play the same position on defense and offense. Which is a very, uh, it's a very Mike D'Antoni thing as well to 
you know, switch it up, play weird lineups. I don't think it's a particularly uh, particularly weird choice. I, I think it's a good. Uh, I think until Ennis proves that he should be starting, he will probably see Eric Gordon starting, and maybe Ennis will prove it. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen this season with him. Uh, hopefully, it'll go great. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm so used to Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets just uh, doing things that make sense internally and not like as far as what makes sense in the larger orthodoxy or like uh, I guess metagame you might say of the league that. It doesn't strike me as strange at all. It's like, oh yeah, he's better than the other than Kevin Anthony. Of course, he should start over him. Yeah, it, it's it's more it's more starting over James Ennis. But I mean, if you're if you were to talk about purely the Rockets' five best players, I mean, this lineup gives the Rockets the possibility to start those guys, right? Like James Harden, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Clint Capella. Those are the five best Rockets, right? And if you if that was your idea going into the starting lineup. It makes perfect sense. So I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I'm just I'm just interested. You know, I I I don't think it's a home run. I don't think it's a bad move. I want I I think it's bold. I think it's definitely bold. Uh, it's different. It's it's creative, and I want to see how it works out. Uh, if if that is indeed the starting lineup that the Rockets should go with, the Rockets have not unveiled their starting unit, and for the first time in a couple of years now, this is a real mystery. Like this is the first time. In a few years, we don't know the Rockets' starting unit going into it, and it's and that's intriguing. Um, I think the Rockets, and I, they haven't said this out loud. I, I, I looking at their roster, I have a feeling that, and this is pro, like nobody cares about this. What I'm about to say, nobody cares about this. I have a feeling they're going to play Gerald Green at the at the three. I think he's going to play more small forward this year, and I think you know the the Rockets are going to scale down their guard units like. They have Michael Carter Williams. They have uh, Brandon Wright, Brandon Knight whenever he comes back, and they have Eric Gordon. All three of those guys are guards. I think one of those guys is going to scale in. I think one of those guys. I think the guy is going to be uh, Gerald Green, and I'm not sure how he's going to fare defensively. He's proven that he can be a not not a hurt to you defensively if he wants to be. So yeah, yeah, he he can be like mediocre to passable. Right, right. So, I have a feeling they're gonna, they're going to play him at backup three until they sign someone off the scrap heap. Which I I fully see them signing someone on the buyout market and, and see them being a huge player in that market. Uh, or you know, I I could also see them making a trade at the trade deadline since they have all their first round picks moving forward. Um, so yeah, I I I, I just uh, this is something I'm I'm watching for. It's just something I'm watching for. I, I think they're going to scale down a fair bit. And traditionally, Ger- Gerald Green's played a lot of two, and he's played um, a, a lot of one with Mike D'Antoni. But I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play small forward this year, and I think he's going to scale down. I think I think they're going to ask more of him defensively uh, because of you know their the lack of wing depth. He's tall enough. He's he, I mean, if you look up Gerald Green's. Height. I mean, it would surprise. He's six seven, six eight, and he has like a six ten wingspan. Like he's he's like in terms of if you were to look at his height and look at his wingspan, the first position you would scale him at was a small forward position. But he's traditionally played shooting guard, so uh, that's just something I'm looking forward to. So preseason starts tomorrow for the Rockets. Are are you excited? Is there anything you're looking yes. forward to? Uh, seeing the Rockets play basketball. No, but I, I, I want to see how Carmel Anthony does. I want to see how James Ennis does. Uh, I am excited to see them actually get out there 
and do something so we'll have some some gristle for the grinder as it were everyone's got so many thoughts about uh about you know how, how a team is going to do and whether they're better or worse etc that actually having something to confirm or deny will be nice yeah i'm excited to see these new guys in big roles like I, like james ennis michael carter williams uh marquise chris uh right now uh J- uh what's it called PJ Tucker is hurt, so I, I'd like to see how Carmelo is on how Carmelo fares next to Chris Paul and James Harden. If that actually makes him better, if that if he actually changes his shot quality, like and stops taking those terrible long twos, or is more efficient at those long twos next to Chris Paul and James Harden, we'll see. I, I'm definitely interested to see how Melo fares, uh, and I'm I, I want to see their rotation because again we just talked about it. Their rotation has a lot of question marks in terms of who's playing what, when, what lineups the Rockets like, all those things. And yeah, I'm just excited for basketball to start again. And the Rockets are presumably going to take this seriously. Their starters are going to play 20 to 30 minutes each, which is, in terms of preseason basketball, that's unique. Most teams don't. Yeah, most teams don't do that. Most teams pretty much cap off at, at 20 minutes apiece for their starters. But the Rockets traditionally. Take preseason very seriously. It's it's not a new thing. They did they did this last year and they did it the year before. They like Mike D'Antoni is a rhythmic coach and he believes the rhythm the rhythm of the, of the preseason carries over to the regular season and it's it's proven itself to be correct uh, both of the times. I mean, if you look at statistically, like their offensive and defensive statistics have carried over pretty well from preseason to regular season and. Their their preseason more so than others is actually you can actually take away some some stuff from from their preseason regular season like it's not it's not nothing like they uh, Mike D'Antoni called it a dress rehearsal uh, today in uh, practice scrums so yeah I, I'm interested to see how, how they handle it yeah uh, as you said they usually do take it a bit more seriously than a lot of teams do and more importantly they tend to play pretty similarly in preseason how they actually play in the regular season so yeah you can take some things away from it, it, it all right so on, on a related uh, larger note it's kind of funny how you can't take much away from preseason but then you also can't take away much from the regular season going into the playoffs and then even during the playoffs you know, uh, depending on what team is playing, I am the Warriors. You can't take much seriously there, too. It's kind of weird how uh, it, it, when you ask people, eventually it becomes, well, you can't believe anything you see when it comes to basketball. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all, all of it matters a little bit. Like, it, nothing nothing is meaningless. Uh, who a team is in the, in the preseason and regular season, it all matters so much. You just have to know, how, you know, be willing to understand how much it actually tells you and how much it doesn't tell you. It's not nothing. It's never nothing. Well, it's nothing if you're playing the Shanghai Sharks, right? Yeah. Well, but you can see what their rotation might be. There's something in there. There's always something you can see and, like, tell how they're going to play. Oh, you can see what this guy's shot looks like or something, right? There's always there's always something you can pull away from any given game, even if it's not particularly meaningful. No, you're right. You're right. You're 100% right. Like, there, there's always something you can pull from a basketball game. I, I'm a believer in that, too. Um, so let's not bury the lead here. How many wins are the Rockets going to win, and how many? And what seed does that get them? I'm I'm going to start first. I'll say that I think they're going to win 58 games, and I think they're going to be this two seed this year. Uh, and I realize that's a drop off from last year. I do think they're going to be there's gonna, they're going to take a small step back defensively to start the season, and I think 
Offensively, they're still going to be elite, but I, it's possible that they're not as elite as they were last year. I mean, they were an all-time offense last year, so it's possible. I mean, it's very likely that they're not going to be as good as they were last year. I mean, they're they were his they were a historically great team last year. So being less than that is not a it's not a, it's not an insult. It's just reality. You teams teams don't typically win sixty plus games back to back in back to back seasons. So I don't think they're going to win. Uh, 60 games this year. Uh, it's possible they do, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be safe here, and I'm going to say 58 wins. Uh, I, as I said elsewhere, I'm going to say it here too. I'm going to put them at about 60 wins and also a second seed. Uh, I'm, I'm only taking them to fall five games between last season and this season. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty wild that like the Rockets are five games worse. Is uh an extremely positive take, I guess, but they were, they were excellent. Uh, a couple things go their way and they win like even more than 65 games. I don't know. They're, they're clearly better than everybody else in the West, except for the Warriors. And they're probably going to be better than the Warriors in the regular season, because I don't think the Warriors are going to care even a little bit to even try. So uh, I, I think they still have the, like I, conservatively, I'm going to say they're a second seed, but there's a very good chance of the first seed. If the Warriors make it in the playoffs, then they're the favorites to win the championship. They can get in as the A seed and still be the favorites. So why would they care? A lot of their seeding really matters on whether the, whether or not the Warriors really care, right? Like it's that that that's a lot of the thinking going into this uh, prediction. Whether or not the Warriors are going to give their full effort this season, and if they do, the Rockets are in for a dogfight in terms of seeding battle. I think they do. They really do want home court advantage again in the conference finals if they do get there. I, I, I do think that is a goal for them again this season. They've said that, and I, I think it matters. Like, you don't want to play a Game 7 at Oracle Arena if you can avoid it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I I know Toyota Center doesn't have the greatest home court advantage, but in terms of not being at Oracle Arena, you take yeah, that any day of the That's night. a big advantage. Right. Yeah, and I really don't think the Warriors are going to care. They, they were completely unimpressed by what happened to them last season. Uh, I would not be surprised if they just, like, are resting half of their players every game. Uh, this may be a bit of hyperbole, but I, yeah, they're going to take their foot off the gas. I think a lot of the question, though, is where you think the Rockets stack up next to the other teams in the West. And, you know, the, the other top teams in the West, I think, are most likely the Jazz and the Thunder, I guess. That's sort of the easy picks for who are the next t- two teams up in the West behind the Rockets and or ahead of the Rockets, maybe. Ooh. Uh, and a lot of people <laughs> are like taking the Jazz and or Thunder to be better than Houston this season. I love it. I love it. Again, every year, every year. I, I can't wait for yeah. the backpedaling to start tomorrow. It happens after every preseason. Be going into every preseason the the Thunder are going to be red in the Rockets. Um, the the Thunder are going to be the two C. They're, they're going to be the Warriors' greatest threat. And then after the preseason, oh no 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 no! Like it, we we, all, we always knew the Rockets were the second best team. We always knew that. Like and pretend yeah. pretending like those predictions never existed. I love it. I love every <laughs> year. Hey, hey, maybe the Rockets take a big step back this season, but that's a pretty big step back. I think people are saying how big a step back it would take for the Rockets to fall into the pack and for anyone to come out of the pack and pass them. Like, that's a huge difference. They were way better than everyone else last season in the West, except for the Warriors. And not just like a bit better, a lot better. 
the Rockets were like a strong contender, like a particularly strong contender, and everyone else in the West was a pretty good playoff team in terms of all like all the metrics and ratings and whatever you can say for them. And you can say, well, none of that really counts. Like, okay, if you want to say the entire entire regular season means absolutely nothing, then like, why do we? not just have every team go in the playoffs then if the regular season indicates nothing. Obviously obviously the Kings are not as good as the Warriors, right? So you there's some way that you can tell a difference. And by any by any measure, if you if you allow that there's any way you can tell the difference between a good basketball team and a bad basketball team, the Rockets were better than everyone except the Warriors in the West by a pretty decent margin. And so, yeah, maybe they did fall back that far, but that takes a lot. That's a pretty, that's a bolder take than people think it is. I think it's just not, it's just a boring take to say that the Rockets are going to be back right where they were again, that they're about as good as they were last season. Nobody wants to bring out that boring take. It's way more fun to say that things are going to shake up, even when, unfortunately, people, they're not really going to shake up. We live in the Warriors world. There are no shakeups. There's just gradually trudging towards a Warriors championship. Yeah, it's way more fun to say Trevor Ariza was the second coming of Scottie Pippen and that the Rockets have lost a lot this offseason, right? Like, it's way more fun to sensationalize their losses than to say, you know, they're pretty much the same team. Like, that's that's probably what we're looking at right now. Like, they're, yeah, they might, they they're might about keep, as good. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way. The Rockets have two of the top ten players in the league. What other team other than the Warriors can say that? Nobody. Yeah, and then and then imagine it on the off chance they do pick up Jimmy Butler, that how ridiculous that that would be. That's that's like three top twenty players. Right. That's, that's that's a level of elite that you just never really see. So, yeah. uh, but that's not a fun take to say. Yeah, they're probably going to be excellent again. Yeah, I mean it, it's everyone's looking for the new thing, and every year that new thing seems to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, even though. It's, the the Rockets continually win more games with them, continually get pa- farther in the playoffs than them, and you know continually dominate them. But you know the the Thunder are gonna be the conference finals this year. That's what the internet's saying this year. Uh, actually, you know what? The hot take this year is the Jazz. Like the, that is the hot, that's everyone's favorite pick to to challenge the Warriors this year. Not named the Rockets. It seems like the Rockets, um, not the Rockets. It seems like the Jazz and. The Celtics are everyone's favorite team this year in terms of legitimately challenging the Warriors. Like th- those two teams seem to be everyone's favorite. Though Celtics have a ton of talent, but it does feel to me like another example of everybody is like penciling in the young hotness to come of age sooner than they actually will. This happens all the time. Every year, everyone's like, "Oh, this new young team is totally going to make the leap." And sometimes they do, but usually never as much as people think they will. It takes longer for teams to get to that level than they think. Uh, internal growth of players is usually not as robust as people think it's going to be. Uh, it's it's pretty wild to me that everyone's just already assumed, like, oh, the Celtics are going to be, like, right at the at the Warriors level, probably. That's, like, a common opinion, is that the Celtics are going to be, like, a, almost a Warriors-level team. People are predicting them to win 65 games. That is nuts! Winning sixty they, games is a really, really hard feat. Like yeah, I'm not, they, they I have never could, predicted the Rockets but... to win sixty games ever. I've never done that, and the Rockets are probably a better team than the Celtics. I've never predicted them to win sixty games. To actually have that prediction for a non-Warriors team is insane. Go ahead. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's an incredibly bold. No, that's an incredibly bold take. Uh, like I said, it could happen. They could be like the second best team in the league. They have a ton of talent, but. 
it's wild to me to be like, oh, these guys, these guys are the best players in the league. Like suddenly, suddenly Gordon Hayward is like a, a superstar level player. When uh, when he was in Utah, that's not what anybody thought. I mean, yes, obviously he got better over the past couple of years, except for that season he lost. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just because they could be that good doesn't mean they will be that good. That's still a pretty risky gamble to take. as how excellent they're going to be. Uh, same thing with the Jazz. You know, people people would like the Jazz to to make that leap, and maybe they'll make some leap. And Donovan Mitchell is extremely talented, and I could see him being a superstar in the pretty near future. But Rudy Gobert is not like a he's not like a top ten player. He has you know, top ten impact though. I I I think that's I think that's a legitimate claim. Like he defensively, he has some of the best impact numbers in the entire NBA. Yeah, but he can't be out there getting outplayed by Clint Capella. I'm sorry, like that's it, sure it's. He's not on the same level of talent that like some of these other superstars are, right? He's an excellent player, but that does not like an elite team in the Warriors era make. I these teams are all excellent, and they can have a lot of internal development. The Thunder, another team that you know, they're. I guess Dennis Schroeder is ready to make the leap, <laughs> but um, the, the Thunder also were a team that everybody would like to be good every season because they're a lot of fun and a perennial like enjoyable underdog who could plausibly make the leap, but. A lot of this, I think, is that people want a new, cool, exciting thing to happen. They want the fun team to be the good team. Yeah, they, they want the fun team to be the good team, and the fun team is not usually the good team. Yeah. Uh, so can, we'll see. Can we call the Thunder an underdog if, if they're continually overrated going into training camp every year? Like, is that really a thing? Like, if, if, if the Thunder continue to be <laughs> considered one of the best teams in the league, even though they have not shown anything to... To indicate that, other than maybe their net rating last year, like if they continue to be that, how how, how can they really realistically be considered an underdog? I don't understand that. Because because there's two teams better than them in their conference every year. Right, like <laughs> I guess I guess everyone's everyone's an underdog compared to the Warriors. Sure, right, except the Rockets, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean, John Cena is always an underdog, so I don't know to tell you. <laughs> yeah uh yeah i get it i get it like the rockets aren't, aren't the fun team to pick as the second best team in the league i get it like it's it's nobody wants the rockets to be that like legitimately the best challenger to the warriors but it is what it is um yeah so what are you most looking forward to this regular season oh boy um hoping that that the young guys work out a little bit I'd like to see some of their flyers they took play out. Uh, I want to see, uh, I want to see Hartenstein show some real promise. Uh, I think that would be huge for the team. They need a pipeline of young talent. Uh, I don't think it's going to come in the form of you know uh, of MCW, but uh, they they need they need some younger dudes to to show some promise and to you know create for them an ongoing source of new blood that will keep the team going long term because the guys they already have they can retain them but they're getting older uh so they need they need new role players and potentially new stars for the future so that's what i want to say i want to see the development of the young players and uh i don't know wins wins are nice (laughs) yeah it'd be great if isaiah hardenstein breaks out and becomes a legitimate backup center for the rockets like it'd be it'd be great if someone actually takes away some of those name minutes that you know, Nene's been solid for the Rockets for two years now, but he's getting up there in age, and the Rockets have to find a replacement uh, before he, he he gets over the hill, 
Which before he gets traded to uh, Minnesota in exchange for Jimmy Butler, yes, right, yeah, like it's like Nene is getting really dangerously close to washed, and, and, and you gotta get, you gotta find that replacement before it happens, right? So like it, it'd be great if Zochi or Hardenstein or um, Marquise Chris or one of these guys works out for the Rockets at the back of five, so so they don't have to. Going to a Warrior series with Clint Capella having to play forty eight minutes, right? It'd be, it'd be great if they could get someone to spell him. Um, even though they probably they're probably not going to play much traditional five in a Warrior series, they're probably going to play a lot of PJ Tucker at center. But you know what I mean. It'd, it'd be great yeah. if they, if they can get somebody at that backup five. Um, I am most looking forward to, and I hate being the nerdy dude here, but I am most looking forward to the buyout market. Like I, I am really <laughs> really interested, like. And I, I've been on this all summer long, so it's only natural that I continue this. They are going to get somebody. That's going to happen. They're, they're not going to let that $4.5 million taxpayer below exception go away. Like It's, it's not, it's not going to fade into the darkness. They're going to get somebody. They're going to be a, a strong contender on this market. They're going to have a, a huge chunk of change to spend. And I want to see who, who shakes loose. I want to see who becomes available. Is that going to be like Damari Carroll? Is that going to be someone... Of note, that the Rockets could pick up for cheap and uh, legitimately put into the playoff rotation right away. Like it, it, it's it's normally I'm excited to something about something tangentially that you can see on the basketball court, but this is this season I'm excited to see what they do mid season for the first time in a while because they might actually be really really active uh, more so than years than last year because last year they just picked up Gerald Green. And they didn't make any trades, and I think this year, you know, they've been very judicious at not spent at not trading their first round picks. So I think the midseason is going to be really fun for the Rockets. Like it's going to be a constant refreshing of Twitter once that you know February period comes around. <laughs> Man, that is you are looking at stuff that is like in two like February. You are really yeah. looking past half the season. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta be honest. Like, like I'm. I think the Rockets are going to be a little bit boring this year in terms of like they're just gonna be so good. Like, like last year. Like last year, it was surprising how good they were. So it was entertaining. This year, I think it's gonna be kind of boring how good they are. Right? It's gonna be like, like it's not gonna be fun watching them blow teams out by twenty. Like it was last year because it was something we hadn't seen before. We hadn't seen that level of dominance. But this year, I mean, there's going to be some stuff at the beginning of the season that's going to be interesting, like watching Melo, watching uh, you know some of the young guys work out, James Ennis, all that stuff. It's going to be fun. But watching to see how they improve their team is going to be more interesting to me personally. You know, and I I understand like normally I pick something on the basketball court to be looking forward to this season, but. I, I'm just. I just want to see. I, I, I want to. I'm. I'm excited. I, I'm excited for the buyout market. And I, that's something I, I haven't been able to say in a while because the Rockets haven't had any sort of chunk change left over. Like last year, they were supposed to have. Um, they were supposed to have an exception available, but, but they spent that on Tariq Black. And Tariq Black ended up being useless for the Rockets in the playoffs. Like an utter <laughs> waste of of that except of that biannual exception. And so having an actual exception to spend on someone that might actually be useful in the playoffs is a prudent move and really exciting for me in terms of the possibilities. And you've really been a 
you really got hit by uh, how good the Rockets are really quickly. I mean, <laughs> I am I am still here for twenty point wins. That's <laughs> that's good enough for me. I have simple pleasures, I guess. No, I mean, like I'll look forward to the Warriors matchups. You know, the, those are those are those are going to be good. But I mean, in general, like, and this is why, like, the Warriors to me have been kind of boring. Like, blowouts aren't fun for me. Like, they just aren't. Like, they just aren't fun for me. Uh, if if they're if it's your team, sure, it's it's a little bit fun in terms of knowing that they're that dominant. But it, it's it's it, it's a little bit disinteresting in terms of writing about the team and podcasting about the team. Like, I mean, you remember last year we were, we were looking for things to podcast about when there was nothing there. We were just like we got on we got on we got on this microphone every every week and we're like, oh, the Rockets are really good. What do we talk about? Like, it's, <laughs> like that that that's what it got to last season, and I. I, I'm looking forward to this. Like, I, I, this is something I'm actually really excited about. I, I, I know you, you probably disagree with me. Uh, you, you, you're probably looking forward to stuff on the basketball court this season. This season, but yeah, it, it's just, that's just me. Well, all right, fair enough. Um, what is Houston ceiling this year, and what is their floor? And and this is regular season and postseason. Yeah, the ceiling is first seed in the entire NBA and a championship. Which I know that sounds crazy. I mean, what they were only like a game away from making it to the finals last season. How could they ever win one more game than last season? Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that their ceiling is the highest ceiling possible, and their floor is uh, I don't know, probably like low fifties, fifty two or something like that. If everyone just doesn't fit together well and mellow just drains the team's will to live and stuff like that <laughs> will to live uh that's a little bit strong here man you are not a fan of the signing but uh um i'll say yeah i agree their ceiling is first to united championship 100 percent. that is their ceiling um we saw how close they got they got last year uh it's gonna be interesting to see what changes this this season if anything uh do are the warriors still that same juggernaut that they were in the playoffs, is Draymond still the same level of player he was last year? That's going to be interesting to see how motivated and how dominant the Warriors truly are. But um, yeah, the, they're, the Rockets are a legitimate threat to, to win their title this year. It's it's not a secret. They've said it multiple times. Now, to other people, they may not be. Like, you know, like as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, a lot of people expect them to take a step back. But I, I genuinely believe that they're still a title contender. And I still think that they're going to be a powerhouse in the Western Conference this season. And I think their floor is about, yeah, what you said, fifty about 50 games. Like, I think Chris Paul and James Harden have proven themselves out to be good enough to have a floor for their teams of 50 wins. Like, that's, how, just, that's just how good they are. Yeah, unless, unless, like, James Harden loses a leg tomorrow, right? Like, unless one... But honestly, even if one of them was out for the season, they have enough talent, they should probably win 50 games. So, like, maybe if Harden and Chris Paul both, like, went down a season-long injury somehow, like, they got in the car wreck together or something. But you can't, you know... That, Knock you can't on wood. That. Knock yeah. on wood. <laughs> it would have to be a real bolt of lightning, like, that you, would be unpredictable and unlikely in the extreme and you, you obviously you can't count on that that's like saying like oh well the warriors could win 30 games if the entire team all like decides to retire you know <laughs> like right. the, the, while these things are sort of technically possible they're not worth considering and they're uninformative to think about either right yeah i mean in and this kind of ties into my next question what's one thing that could potentially raise houston ceiling and what's one thing that could potentially lower it 
I'm going to say the answer to this question is, is the same thing. Health. Health. Health sure. could raise their ceiling su- substantially and health could decrease their ceiling substantially. Like, if if Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, if all those guys are healthy their seal, like all year, their ceiling is the title. It's the title. And it's the first seed. And that's, that's obviously couching it. They have to be healthy. But... If if they're seal if they aren't healthy and if as you said something horrific happens or if they just get some bad luck along the way and bad timing and like last year they had a lot of bad injury luck and if if that happens again um, that could lower their floor substantially like they they outperformed their win their win differential by like three games so that might not happen this season like they might they might just lose those games or they're not healthy they may just be a bad bad clutch team. You know? Uh, yeah, that could be. I'm not super worried about that, though. I mean, they're going to be good. Uh, health could be a big problem. It could lower their ceiling. Once again, like if James Harden misses a lot more time than he did, that's probably the biggest blow that could happen. And it can happen. Uh, I think, honestly, for me, chemistry is a bigger worry than, uh, and, you know, lack of, con- of a continuity than injury because injury just. You can't really control for it. It's everybody has that problem. It feels to me like an easy way out to say that, like, oh well, maybe it, maybe someone gets hurt. Yeah, anybody could get hurt, uh, but I don't. Yeah, I, I'm more worried about like chemistry because that means there are more scenarios where they're dragged down by chemistry. I think than by injury. If that makes any sense. No, that like, makes sense. So I think it's a a, a larger expected loss value uh, on that one. What could raise their chances? Uh, well, two things, I guess. I'm going to cheat and bring up two things. I have to mention one of them, unfortunately, which is that a Jimmy Butler trade happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely forgot about that, yeah. Uh, but the other thing is, if the Warriors just continue their their backslide, then their chances go up. And this is a thing that nobody's talking about because it feels almost like heresy or like uh, like jinxing it to bring it up, which is that... The Warriors clearly are like slowly running down because they're getting bored, old, tired, etc. There are tons of there are tons of things that are happening with them, uh, and they seem to care less and less, and they do a little bit worse every season despite having so much talent. I mean, they literally like did everything they could to lose to the Rockets, and somehow like kind of got bailed out and nobody wants to say that the, that the warriors got bailed out but they did they dug themselves into hole and just they, they managed to escape punishment for it uh and they don't have they seem to have shown no inclination to avoid going into that hole in the future so if the warriors just just mess around just don't care and are unable to bring themselves to sufficiently care and get like bounced by somebody whether it's by houston or someone else in a previous round that's a little on the table. It's it feels weird to say this. It feels like you yeah, it's a that's not gonna happen. Come on, what are you thinking about? But teams don't go to the finals this many years in a row without a lot of like mental and physical fatigue. They're they're running down slowly, and there is going to come a time where they're unable to unable or unwilling to do what it takes to avoid getting beat in the playoffs. They're never the Warriors are not going to win every championship for the rest of eternity. They're going to lose sooner or later. And it may be sooner than people are expecting. Uh, it's because there's more to it just than these four guys are extremely talented. 
Yeah, I mean, they really did come into that series with the Rockets a little bit laissez-faire, right? Like they, they did. Yeah, and it, it did end up costing them. They underestimated the Rockets. They did. They 100% thought the Rockets were nothing. There was that talk about how Steve Kerr said, if we had Andre Godala, we would have beat the Rockets in five games. Which was, by the way, we haven't dissected the ridiculousness of that statement enough. Like, the, Steve Kerr has the audacity to say that Andre Godala is more valuable than Chris Paul and Luke Mbamute combined, basically. Because the Rockets were out without those two players for the last two games. So, I, I, I just, like, we, we, we haven't dissected that statement enough. Like, like he, just got a, he just got a hall pass for that statement. It's wild because even if it's true, which I, I'm not going to go ahead and grant that one. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some, some merits of thinking about it. But even if it's true, that means that your team is like, an all, is like the best team of all time. But if they're missing one old bench guy, then suddenly they're just like pretty good. That's that that seems a bit of a worry, right? If they need this one particular player to be anywhere near their top potential, and he's not even like one of their best players, uh, and he's also getting a lot older and slower. So uh, if that's true, they should be very worried. This is a good one. Okay, what is your boldest prediction for the season? And we'll end on this. Okay. Uh, my boldest prediction for does that have to be Houston related or just uh, in general? Whatever you want to do with it. Okay, all right. My boldest prediction for this season is I think the Lakers are gonna are going to be on the playoff bubble. Is that bold? <laughs> I I think it is because everyone assumes that they're automatically going to get in because uh, LeBron's there, but I think they're going to end up at eight or nine. Oh, okay, eight or nine. I thought I thought you were talking six, seven, eight. Yeah, that is bold. That is bold. Um, I, I, I think they're going to be a low rung playoff team. I'm not sure if they're going to be battling for playoff positioning, but I, I think they will be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, there there are some there are a lot of questions with that roster. There are a lot. I mean, if you the players they signed, I still can't believe they they signed the players they they signed. <laughs> and, and their off season was just a roller coaster. I mean, dude, their defense is b- 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 bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, they signed Michael Beasley. They signed Lance Stevenson. They signed Rajon Rondo. I mean, w- what the hell, man? You just signed LeBron James, and this is how you capitalize on this, like. I would be royally pissed if I was a Lakers fan. I don't care if they're one-year deals. I would be pissed. You're wasting a year of LeBron's prime for this. Like, it, it just, uh, like, I, I did not agree with the calculus of their front office this summer. I don't care if they're one-year deals. I, I understand that they're, they're, they're making a calculated decision to try and go after a star player next summer and that they're going to have a lot of money next summer to spend on players. But, I mean... Come on, like you, you could have signed like 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 you could have signed Luka Mute for for the same money that you you gave to Rajon Rondo. Like Luka Mute signed for a four point three million dollar contract with the Clippers. Yeah, he signed for a four point three million dollar contract with the Clippers. So he was going to L.A. He clearly wanted to be back in L.A. You couldn't have signed him. You you could have you could have spent your money a little bit better this summer. Like, I, I'm sorry, it's just frustrating as hell and they didn't bring Julius Randle back I I, I just I, I'm I'm dumbfounded about what they did this summer yeah it's good stuff it's yeah, good stuff and they hired Kurt Rambis what the hell man like like <laughs> it's like, so good I'm so glad the Lakers exist now I just legitimately love them now because they are oh they're so they great are, for basketball they're a, yeah they're such a delightful like head scratcher at every turn yeah yeah 
It's... All right, what, what do you got? What's your what's your big bold prediction? Okay, I kept it Rockets related, and I'm gonna say that the Rockets are still going to be a top eight defense. And Ooh, like, I like it. Yeah, I I think they're going to be pretty much the same kind of defense they were last year. Perhaps a little bit of movement, but I think largely, I think they're still going to be the same defensive threat that they were last year. And a lot of that is, I think they're going to add someone. And I realize I'm putting, I'm putting a lot of eggs into this basket, but I do think they're going to add someone. And I think the players that they picked up aren't too much of a drop off from who they lost. Like I, I again, I did not put a lot of credit, a lot of, a lot of stock in a Trevor Reese's defense. Like I, I just didn't. Like I, I, I know a lot of people did, but a lot of people weren't watching the Rockets as closely as I was. Uh, I'm sorry. I know it's. I know that hurts your ego a little bit, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. You weren't watching the Rockets as closely if you think Trevor Reza was this All NBA level defender that they lost. Like he just wasn't. He was declining substantially. He had gotten to the point where he was an okay defender and reliable enough to play a lot of minutes. But other than that, I don't think James Ennis is that big of a downgrade from Trevor Reza and Luka Mute, I think was a big loss. I thought was a bigger loss to the Rockets. I think they'll be able to replace that on the buyout market, um, and that's what's largely going into this prediction. I think they're going to be a pretty good defensive team again. Hey, that's a good take. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it for the for the uh, season preview. Just the Rockets. We went an hour and seven minutes long. I, surprising. Uh, but that's good stuff for you guys. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good review on iTunes if you're the show. Um, it really helps you find us. And yeah, guys, good night.